0: live please do not swear <laughs> send a message in Morse K
1: hello and welcome to e-commerce matters brought to you by Black curve we help e-commerce businesses make pricing decisions today's title is called Christmas lockdown get your pricing sorted I'm joined by dr. Rob Horton my normal sidekick in logical purity mathematical purity or putting the theory into practice we'll go for one of those anyway and uh i'm philip Hathaway, the founder of black curve so without further ado here we go i don't think you can take the uh the the responsibility for logical purity because no. one of our other members of staff already has uh, yeah
0: yeah i was gonna say it and it's not really
1: me <laughs> 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 if I'm brutally honest, I hadn't actually written enough notes, and I suddenly went, "Hang on, what am I? Uh, what am I gonna? What am I gonna call you <laughs> this time?" So, this uh, <laughs> so should we go straight into prop time? Because I think let's let's, yeah, do, yeah, that. Yeah, let's yeah, do that. Let's do that. So, Rob, what have you bought to symbolise today's podcast title called "Christmas Lockdown"? Get your pricing sorted. What have you bought?
0: Well, so for those uh, watching at home, they may recognise that I'm back where I was in the summer. <laughs> and where is that, really, Rob? I'm back in Devon. Um, because we are going into lockdown again, so my other half and I, have, have, we've escaped. And what I've got, it's a symbol, lockdown and into Christmas, is my new cooking book, uh, which is what I'm going to spend my evenings and weekends doing now I can't go out the house very far.
1: Do you want to describe the cookbook? Because obviously
0: some yeah, people yeah, are so only listening uh, to this. It's salt, fat, acid, heat. And it's by Samin Nosrat. And she's, she also did a Netflix series. Um, and it's not so much recipes, but it's principles. So it's kind of like how to level up as a chef, what things go well together, what makes great food. Um, so I've moved to Devon. I now have a much bigger kitchen than my flat in London. So I'm going to be cooking. So that's my. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you can spend even more money on cooking gadgets, basically, because you've got extra space to do it. Is that the, is that the other? Oh, the
0: really good thing is that actually my parents... 'Cause I'm my parents, they've got most of them already. So though ah. I did spend a hundred quid in my casserole dish last week, which is now on my flat in London. Right. Is break. it Le Crusade? <laughs> no, I can't afford that. <laughs> 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 You've got to get married to get that. <laughs> <after all. laughs>
1: i had to quickly tell you uh, an anecdote about a licorice dish um my my father who's also i work with him at black curve actually uh for those of you who don't know he um we went camping and he borrowed someone's licorice dish and as he was washing it up afterwards like the big big casserole dish um we our, our particular tent when we were camping was on the edge of a cliff and he was holding both of the um uh, the handles and there was a bit of water left in it after he washed it up and he just and he went he went like he, he sort of moved his hands together to get rid of the water, and these things weigh an absolute ton yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. and so I don't, he just he just let go of it <laughs> and it <laughs> flew off the side of the thing yeah, I think um I think my mother wasn't best pleased because uh she they obviously they did the honorable thing and said <laughs> don't worry we'll we'll it was a friend's Le Creuset dish as well, which I probably should have mentioned. They said, don't worry, we'll pay for it. And then they said, yes, you will, because it was a wedding gift. And uh, <laughs> so that was, I think that was 300 quid poorer. That was uh, that was an expensive washing up. Takes uh,
0: Le pot? Well, you or? haven't
1: been, you haven't lived, you know. Uh, no, when you don't. When you've got, always on the first day, you always bring a dish. That's pre-cooked from home, and there was Ah. like, and there was a ton of kids there. So you kind of, you just literally throw it into a dish and bring it. We're not, we're not posh campers, don't worry. I don't want you to get the wrong idea.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, take it. It does give the wrong signals. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So
1: anyway, enough about that. You're gonna be, um, you're gonna be cooking this lockdown. That's to symbolise Christmas lockdown, and you're you're gonna be a one-man band supporting the economy. Well, actually, you're not because you just said you're not going to spend any more money on cooking stuff. So uh, no, I will. What am I talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so You're going to solve the economic <laughs> woes that people live in by uh, by spending money. Shall I show you my prop? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. I've decided to go. Well, clearly, uh, Rob and I have more time on our hands to read. So mine's also a book, but I have Yay. actually read this book already. So it's not it's not a new book. And um, so it's Warren Buffett, The Snowball, and I actually read this years and years ago, I, I can't quite remember when this particular um, book was published. But the reason I've, I've come up with this book is because uh, Warren Buffett has recently come out to say that retailers that discount during lockdown, is going to be the death of them. Okay, so discounting during lockdown is not the way to survive or not, not the way for, for long term success or, or to put yourself in the best possible position to, to springboard out of this situation. So, so I've got a double relevance I think, uh, uh, I think on that. Yours better than mine. I like that. <laughs> uh. We'll have to maybe put, say, next week, we're not allowed books. Uh, that, well, otherwise, otherwise, we're just going to be showing off our various book yeah, collections well, I, over um, time.
0: I, I have to admit that my... Uh, most of my props I could have got are either my flat in London or packed because we got here at quarter past midnight last night and then I've been straight into work. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to hear old. excuses for next week's yeah, no, uh, no, prop, I'm be more prop edition. In next week. You, we'll you go, just we'll told me more. that
1: your parents have got more gadgets in the kitchen, so just steal one of those, surely. That's
0: uh, that's the next. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think that. I'm a big fan of Warren Buffett, though. He, um, although, he, interestingly, he completely missed the tech boom. Boom. So <laughs> he did, but See he's hello. doing he's doing all right, I think. So we won't
1: feel we won't feel She's too ugly. sorry for. Him. What do
0: they call him? The Wizard of Omaha? Where yes, is he from? Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were going to say the that? Wizard that's of Oz, and subject. that's that's a different a different person <laughs> <in Thai. laughs> uh,
1: So so fantastic. So um, so today, Rob, where would you where would you like to start? So if you're a retailer and uh, you know you're, you're you're well, I mean, in the UK, the lockdown started today right uh, so we've, we've gone from one lockdown we had a bit of a reprieve we thought bricks and mortar stores were going to open there was mumblings and grumblings that that actually bricks and mortar stores were going to stay open um, during subsequent lockdown but actually they've they've closed all non-essential uh, mm-hmm. non-essential stores so you know we've only really got you know your supermarkets really are the one, the main ones that are that are pretty much staying open, um, or any, any or your DIY stores and things like that. So, you know how 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 wh- where should retailers start from their pricing perspective to make sure that they don't, you know, they follow some of Warren. I'm on first name terms with him. Uh, <laughs> some some of Warren's uh, uh, advice the uh, to, to support <laughs> support to to, the <laughs> to survive the economy.
0: Um, I think it's probably worth looking at the place I'd start is looking at the last lockdown, uh, if I'm completely honest, because the benefit of um, of this one is that we've done it before um, and you've had some time to cope and put procedures in place and it should be recent enough and you should have been expecting it. So, I think the place to start is what what were the takeaways, the key takeaways from the last lockdown? Where did people do well? Where did people do less well? And then kind of building on that for, for me.
1: So I think we spoke a lot about supply chain constraints, mm. didn't we, last time? But I, I think we, we probably should have started a, a swear jar for, for the amount <laughs> of times that we, that we mentioned it. But certainly... Um, even before we look at pricing as a the the actual physical pricing decisions you you've got to get your supply chain sorted or at least get visibility of your supply chain to enable the subsequent decisions to take place um because certainly um from the case studies that that, that I was involved in and saw the the companies that had visibility of their supply chain and used solutions like black curve to support them with the pricing decisions it was all about Enabling them to hold their nerve to hold mm-hmm. that price point, especially if they had visibility that certain products the supply chain was going to be constrained and you, it wasn't going to be restocked. So there's, you win no you win no prizes by selling out too cheaply.
0: No, and there's there's actually where from talking to friends who work in in the space in particular, there's um there are some huge knock on issues that I hadn't even thought of around quality control, um because. Well, obviously, the the manufacturing, the places in manufacturing are going through these boom bust um, periods of kind of people in and people out. Um, What's trying to maintain an economy and keep it afloat, so quality has has taken a hit, I think. And then obviously that hits just your stock levels because if you're well, obviously because if you're if you're putting in, if you think you've got an order coming in. And it, you're having to. I don't know, a friend of mine works selling um, in fashion, and they had issues with fabric quality, and they've just had to ditch it. And then that has knock-on effects in terms of their sustainability goals as well. It's 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 kind of this horrible, vicious effect. And I think you're right. That was the key takeaway: is that actually manufacturing and distribution, because they are high population density, and then require on the borders being open um so to come back to what you're saying i think from a pricing perspective you want to be an, and back to on buffett actually you probably don't want to be discounting because you like the discounting implies you have volume to shift um and for for people in the more fmcg space like good uh, like evergreen goods i think is a better way of putting it um, that's not really. That's unlikely. You're more likely to be squeezed on the supply than the, than the demand. In fact, I think, I mean, just anecdotally, people are going to start shopping a lot again because they're bored and can't get out of the house. Um, so the yeah, the discounting hold your nerve. Don't discount. Hold your nerve is probably smart. Um, and probably don't follow your competitors if it looks like they're uh if they're if they're tanking their prices hold your nerves. Know, see see if you see a hit to your sales if you do then yeah potentially go after them but i think that would be the interesting differentiator because from the other side of it on the front end um i oh, saw again a lot of people really screwed up the um because and 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 completely understandably, right? There's so much going on. You don't know. You make you you're being forced to make decisions. Like, do I keep the shops open? Do I keep people in the warehouse? What's going on? And a lot of people just um, shut it all down, and uh, or or at least went to the skeleton staff, furloughed everyone. Furlough schemes coming back on, actually. Um, so it's a bit rambling, but but realistically, I think. Um, we're going to see the same pinches so supply chain staffing um uh spikes in demand that we saw in the previous lockdown
1: well i think i think it's 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 certainly interesting that a lot of a lot of our customers saw trading that was trading patterns back in march april may it probably eight april because the lockdown was around 23rd of march um wasn't it first time round properly um that they would typically see around this time of year. Mm. Okay, now a lot of a lot of retailers were gearing up to do big Black Friday events, big Cyber Monday events, big kind of Christmas season discounts. And it's almost if you if you if you looked at yourself and you had a phenomenal April May June, theory dictates, and we'll probably see that the truth backs this up. It, sorry, the actuals back this up is that you're more than likely to get that again. Because, okay, fine, you might not necessarily see as many wacky purchases like I'm going to go and learn keyboards, so I'm going to drop 200 quid on a keyboard that I wouldn't have done that kind of previously. But I think you're still certainly going to see that type of behavior. So that's why... I I
0: contest that actually just because I think you will. I mean, because I think people who didn't do that the first time are more likely to do that now. Um because I held off really buying anything in, in the first because it's just like, well, we're in London and um well we actually we were working pretty hard, so I didn't have much time for anything else. But like um and and I've got most of the outdoor stuff I do in in terms of I've got my bike, I've got I've got the rest of it, I've got my running stuff. But winter is I'm not spec out for winter. For for things to do, right? Like it's like I was saying about the cooking books, so I probably will buy some cooking equipment. Probably some better knives, if I'm completely honest. We're down here, I'm a bit of a snob, but like, um, it's, it's that kind of thing because it's a seasonality is going to play a huge role here. So the the stuff that people, sure, guitars, keyboards, musical instruments are unlikely to double up on, but things like things to do indoors rather than things to do outdoors yeah I and think I, I, I think
1: I think where I was going with it was that if if you had a if you had a successful April may June mm. it dictates that you're likely to have a similar yeah similar yeah. so so if you look at what pricing strategies you adopted if if they supported your supported growth in your business over march April may June, I, I wouldn't necessarily move too far away from that and i I think you, and, and and to come back to I mean the, the, the title of this is the snowball, right? <laughs> okay. That's one of the reasons that you know big big changes is really hard to work out is it working or not. Smaller tweaks and incremental changes is a lot easier to work out if it's working. So so that's that's really kind of my focus of encouraging retailers to think about test and learn small incremental changes if what worked last time you know the theory dictates that it's going to work this time so so adopt that um rather than necessarily going about you know last year i was going to do or or if you were geared up to do big black friday discounts which i have a bone of contention about anyway and you can reference all of our other (laughs) literature that's come out of this time maybe think do i need to do that and
0: and have a look at what what happened last march and april the thing I'd add to that, which often doesn't get talked about, is that um, we're going back into furlough till March, not we, but as, as the furlough scheme's being pushed on. So the automation side of, well, business places in general, but pricing, is uh, something I'd be heavily investigating because resources are likely to be tight as it is. I know personally friends working in retail who'll, who've had Uh, whose whole teams are going on furlough and it's just them running the the ship. So the more things, not just pricing, but stock management or ad spend or whatever, the more things that you can automate, probably the better and probably the more robust you'll be. And this was a story that we saw uh, in in the first lockdown from a retailer perspective, especially apparent in America, where I think there is a much wider divide between... On online and and bricks and mortar um in the the companies that had invested heavily in kind of for want of a better, retail tech um whatever that be succeeded because they were more efficient they were more nimble they were more forward thinking um and the ones that were kind of based on older trading models couldn't pivot as fast and, and struggled um but i think that's a that is a lesson i have sympathy for the first time but not for the second time i, I guess it's first sign it, it, of
1: insanity is doing the same thing yeah i was multiple gonna say oh, for
0: same on you for me twice i won't get fooled again
1: <laughs> but i mean even uh, you know I, we spoke about it and last was it the last podcasters we were talking about shopify right what's their mm. what's their tagline or what do they believe in you know focus, yeah, focus on, on brand, brand. automate yeah. everything else right and uh, and and we are going to see certain sectors that that are are more more staff members are getting getting furloughed than than others and 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 it will be kind of subject to what's a nice to have and what's kind of a must have you know and 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 and, and it's probably in the nice to have category that that people are going to you know, naturally, you'd, you'd expect are going to suffer unless unless there's you know, as 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 we've spoken about uh, certain niche industries that suddenly get a boom because of a, a random well, they're, they're, boom because of
0: lockdown. But I mean, that's uh, that's bang on. There's there's a fundamental shift in the market. Um, I think about various, so so like vid- video games booming for fairly obvious reasons because people like myself played a lot when I was younger now indoors all the time and actually that is something you can do in lockdown and so you scratch scratch that itch conversely i think what cameras obviously was one of the big uh losers of the previous one because people are now outdoors and um i mean probably even the iphone sales are hit a bit because i, I know that they were under projections i know you've got one Wait. Uh, just got one, like um There are other models available. (laughs) Yeah, if you can't go out in the world and, and this is probably a fairly UK or European centric thing, but if you can't go out in the world and show it off, you're, unless someone in your, a young child breaks your phone, you're uh, Oh, But you're forgetting,
1: you're forgetting the big influencer market, which has had a massive, like, on everyone's going on, everybody is still. Bragging, but they're bragging about different things, and so there is.
0: That- yeah, yeah, but yeah. but but my point, I completely, I don't think the market's going away at all. I just think it's shifting focus. Yeah, and it's, different, I, it's different. It's not things. clear to me. Um, there are some obvious ones, and there are a lot of unobvious ones. Um, and it's not clear to me what's what's winning out. But I think status. Like traditional status purchases have pivoted right, so fashion companies are now doing loungewear and masks which makes yes complete sense right um so it, and it's that because you don't i imagine that evening evening wear sales are through the floor because <laughs>
1: who's going out right um and i've got my lovely flowing black
0: dress and i've got my dinner jacket on order you know what are you talking about probably honestly a good time to buy <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we call that a buying opportunity in the city, <laughs> where longer, long term, it, it has value. But it depends how much your weight's fluctuating during lockdown. I think depending <laughs> on <laughs> how much exercise you're doing.
1: Uh, okay, so um, yeah, I mean, I think the the furloughing this time round, but but I, I feel that you know all the, all the industry reports that I'm reading is that a lot of people are um, have already done that rebalance, and much of the rebalancing you know as part of the last exercise and so a lot of the individuals that are going on to furlough this time are from the sectors like restaurants gyms those kind of sectors Um, that have the immediate lockdown bricks Uh, and mortar yeah that's what I mean anything anything that's got anything that's got physical presence right that's what I'm referring to whereas the other businesses that have been impacted have done that rebalancing okay so whereas in a bricks and mortar store you physically need people There, so you know, uh, uh, once you get rid of a shop or or you know you 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 don't need those people. It's a different kind of rebalancing, and so it's it's those individuals, their purchasing habits, that are going to have the knock on effect because if they don't have the money, they're not going to make the decision. So certain businesses are going to suffer, you know, less or or more than others. That's what I'm referring to. Yeah,
0: it's really. It's a, the purchasing habits one is really interesting from a psychology perspective because I can't work out whether people are going to pay less, spend less because they're worried, or more to cheer themselves up. Uh, well, no, but
1: I'm coming in from the point of view. If you physically don't have the money, you're not going to spend. I yeah, think so. Yeah, so yeah. I think there's but two different sides to it.
0: Yeah. 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 So you've got you've got the people the people who are on furlough who are still going to be on an eighty percent of salary, and the, obviously f- people in that situation really tough right and and money will be tight and then you've got the other side of it where people will be like well i'm not well i'm unlikely to go on a holiday q1 q2 that i'd normally go on i don't know why i'm saying q1 q2 all right let's just say next year or next <laughs> <hour>. <laughs> um, you've been doing too many reports recently
1: clearly yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I
0: yes i've been hanging out with the sales guys too much and um, should i spend that money on i mean this is going to sound horrifically middle class right but do i go on a ski trip or do i just Make my home a bit nicer, right? Like, because, and if I'm, if it looks like we're going to have rolling lockdown for an extended period, then that kind of home improvement side of it or home life improvement suddenly has a much higher value than before. Well, I mean, without going too
1: off topic, a lot of that money's going on to, um, uh, I was reading the uh, uh the, the well i won't share what i was reading but <laughs> as in um, it was a lot of wow, the no, i'm suspicious <laughs> no, but a lot of that money is going on to actually a lot of individuals that have that disposable income, and that demographic that would typically go yeah. on like a ski holiday or equivalent right um is moving that money to be to do um their own personal investments so like a j bell those kind of platforms have done phenomenal, are doing phenomenally well because people are now actually using. Because you can't, the interest rates are so terrible that, that people think you. Yeah, do you know What, do you in? what, what are yeah. you going to invest in, right? So, so it's a case of do I go? Do you know what I'm going to see if I can make some money, or do I go and buy myself? I don't know. I keep picking a keyboard. I haven't bought one myself, so I've just I've just got it just but, got it on the mind. But uh, uh, just
0: just while you keep talking about, I'll show you the second thing I brought up that didn't talk about. So this is my other lockdown thing. Uh, oh, so you are you, learning, or you yeah, know, yeah.
1: you know what you know already? Are you you? Uh,
0: no, I'm crap. Um, I think it's a technical. You're probably term. a
1: grade six, aren't you, or something?
0: No, you? no, not at all. So I got an app. Um, I I've had it, my parents bought me uh, an electric piano ten years ago, and I moved it round from every house and every flat I've lived in. Um, my brother, for those that don't know, is a professional opera singer. So when I lived with him, it was super useful. So he used it for practicing lessons. And then lockdown, it was like right. I'm finally I'm going to put some hours in, and I've I'm graduating off the app, which. It's hilarious to watch if you are if you know anything about modern culture because I don't know... All the songs are pop songs, and I don't know any of them. Like, I literally <laughs> like... Um, bloody Pitbull or Keisha or, or, or something. And I'm just like, bashing this out on the piano. So I've decided I'm going to get some proper music that I actually understand and know how the tune goes so I can it's learn fair
1: it. It's and older, basically. That's
0: what you're going for. So the, the, yeah, basically, the, the last thing in the app is Ferralese, which I did learn... 20 years ago I
1: won't embarrass myself too far yeah you bang on mate <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure that's the only song I, I can do on the piano that and Rugrats for those of you who know <laughs> 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 Uh, right. That, now that is
0: an old school that, that <laughs> if you don't know how is, old
1: I am, you certainly can probably do now because there is a generation of
0: people who, when you say the only thing I can play on the piano is rugrats, know exactly what <laughs>
1: that means. I'm 21. Yeah. Right. So me yeah. <laughs> <do you> too. <laughs> oh, um, so uh, uh, yeah. So. um Let's go back on topic because I feel we've gone yeah, we've yeah. gone a bit a bit off. So I think there's a lot to consider. Um, if we come back to, to other things that that retailers can consider, um, so we automation we've spoken about that's yeah, uh, that's that's a key thing. Um, when you are making your decisions, whether you're automating them or you're not automating them, we've spoken about supply visibility because that's I, a strong one.
0: Also, sorry on on that note, at the automation piece. It's not just about front-end competitive pricing decisions when you've got a really variable supply chain and stock prices if if you're drop shipping uh, for example or you're in a market where you, you can switch suppliers uh, for a given product being able to pass that cost price on automatically on the daily it, it, um, is a huge benefit and i think underrepresented in when people talk about this space because people think competition 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 but they don't think about automating the fundamental business process which is oh bloomin heck, i've got another thousand cost price changes that i've got to do and they're changing so rapidly at the minute and this is taking up an hour of my day three days a week right like
1: and that in um, itself can be costing you a huge amount of money yeah because you know if if, if suddenly that product becomes high in demand and and the cost price has changed. Mm. You've lost. You might have lost. Uh, even even if the you know you might have lost that opportunity to make to make uh, more. Yeah, the costs have gone up as you'd yeah, you, s- you probably can, you expect can it to. S- you can
0: bleed margin yeah.
1: really really fast. And that that's irrelevant as you say of what what the competition is doing. So the only way you can do that when you have you know even if you have. a hu- I mean, even if you have ten products, you know you've
0: you, you you've got to be you've got to be on yeah, it. If to... you if you have ten pro if you have one product in an incredibly dynamic market, as in like it's changing daily, you should still automate it in my in my view because it's like if if the process is uh, some people we get a spreadsheet from our supplier and then I update Shopify Magento Big Commerce wherever I hold my prices. That process is with something like. What we do, super straightforward, super safe, and then you get a load of other add-on benefits for free. But really, you're taking a core business process that's an absolute pain and freeing up your time. So that that those, if you cost those three hours at however much, that gives you a baseline of how much you're willing to pay to to take that outright, like because you're gaining that back. What about competitor pricing?
1: I mean, we've, you've, you've, you. I think a couple of minutes ago you mentioned competitors, so it's probably <laughs> a good time, good time to talk about it. So, how should retailers tackle their
0: competitor pricing strategy during during a lockdown? Do they need to worry about them? I maybe somewhat controversially, we may say no, um, and the reason for that is that you're more likely to end up in a race to the top. We spoke about this previously than, a, than a race to the bottom because everything is supply driven, not demand driven. Um, so if you were, if you were to come to me and say, Rob, what, what I'm a really busy, I'm really tight on time. What should I do about pricing in a lockdown? I would say automate it, put in a competitor matching strategy and then go and focus about making sure you can get enough supply ensuring up the other parts of your business. Um, and that's super easy to do and super cheap. It costs you about, I don't know, five hundred quid a month or something, to automate that entire process. Hook into your, um, I almost said CRM, but that's not what I mean. <laughs> um, hook, hook, hook into, hook into Magento, Shopify, Big Commerce, whatever you use, WooCommerce, whatever platform you're on, hit an API or whatever, and then. You're away and then you don't actually have to worry about it, especially if you've just put in business safeguards to make sure you're not going below the price you want, you're not going too nuts. Um, and then you can do cleverer stuff if you've got the time. But I think one of the key themes of this period is that especially going into a heavy tr- what's traditionally heavy trading period as well, it's just about how can you make it as easy as possible, how can I just make sure that's working, tick the box, quote unquote, forget about it let it make make money for me and then don't worry about it because i mean uh, yeah i i absolutely um
1: i should i should have a kind of do-do-do-do-do-do mm-hmm. button uh, shouldn't i when uh when somebody says something uh you know it's not controversial but uh, says something to take to take note um mm. but i think it's about it's it's about working out which competitors and which products are competitor-driven yeah. And and if you don't automate it, you've not got a chance really of keeping up. Okay, so yeah,
0: I completely agree with that I think that's a fair point. Um, I think to run a a very successful competitive strategy, you need to know that anyway. In that you should. Um, we the the reason I was saying this controversial it is a bit controversial for what a normal stance is, but um, we. We've spoken at length about the dangers of competitive data. There's a lot of jank. Um, There's a lot of kind of, not bad data, but like non-representative data. Maybe someone's got five units. They're just trying to shift some weird eBay supplier or something. Really, you don't you don't want to be matching them or following them or being influenced them. But there's usually about five or six people. Pick a random number, but there's a group of people that you know you know them well. You know they're your true competition, and they're they're the people you should be building your strategies around. Really, and then yeah, if you've got time, drill into it, treat it on a brand by brand or category level. Some you'll win, some you'll be able to win more than others. But if we're in a really tight for time, busy trading period, don't know what's going on find your core cool competitors build a strategy around them and automate it would be my my advice
1: because especially in more jittery times like lockdown you know you you've spoken about the kind of race to the race to the top um and the race to the bottom can happen just as much because you know mm. retailers can be going bust and they've they're shifting yeah, stocks so true. you don't you don't want to be matching them Al- alternatively also uh cost price are fluctuating all the time or a certain retailer might not have been able to secure product at a, at a, at a certain price, and they have to—I don't know—ship it in rapidly. There's all sorts of things that are happening that that, that they're making decisions, and you want to make sure that you're dis- you're only following where you have to, and you're not just blanketly following kind of kind of across the board. And that's why we haven't we haven't spoken about it. But that's why the whole d- demand piece is is mm-hmm. critical because actually the demand for your products gives you visibility of what the market wants what the market's doing yeah and it, you that and that's where you can then use that data to incrementally push the price up incrementally push the price down and and the automation piece works out what is the what is the right point at yeah at a given point right and 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 you're you're in control
0: of that and, and again i probably say something a bit controversial should here. i get my woo yeah, button yeah, yeah, out again. Yeah. in that i think this is part of the piece that there's a bit of this you can automate, but some of it that you may not want to be automating in the, um, for, for two reasons, both good and bad. One, there's, um, price gouging worries. Um, so, all right, actually I can back up and explain this better. Basically when you do this kind of thing, you, you tune the size of the price change you want to make based on the amount of demand, right? Um. And what happens in these periods where you have what's called a discontinuity, but a changing the market, um, is that actually you can get really sharp price spikes, um, and you can do that with kind of the rails on, but you run the risk of moving the price too slowly to really take advantage of it, or the rails off, and then you run the um, that's you get into the kind of airplane flight football ticket pricing territory where things go up four thousand percent. And given that this is likely to happen, uh, to a smaller subset of products, um, I would say using something like we do to notify you what this is happening to and go through by hand and work out actually, is this a sensible thing to be doing or am I happy with the demand at the price it is, right? Because, um what a pricing algorithm won't really tell you about is things like customer behavior, brand loyalty, pricing impact. We do that through safeguarding, but um, through both the size of price changes and maximum price change, uh, like the maximum price, but um, you may want to override that. And you may want to override that for a specific product within a group of products, so this is probably where I'd be focusing. I, I the bulk of my products, I'd just be automating it, and then the time I was spending on pricing, I'd be spending on these kind of pricing decisions because th- this is where you can also make serious margin, right? Um, but it, but it's touch and go, and and for anyone out there, especially competition, your AI won't be able to handle this well because AI. Uh, especially machine learning AI, because it works off historical data and you've got a change in the market. And we haven't seen enough of this to give you a good prediction. Um, So you're much better off, in my view, automating the quote-unquote boring standard-issue stuff as you'd expect and then focusing your energy on the details, like on, on these really intricate pricing pieces. Yeah, I'd,
1: I'd agree with that. I mean, if 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 an algorithm doesn't know, hasn't seen in historically yeah. that cookware goes through the roof, you know, <laughs> because it, during a lockdown situation, it's not going to be able to predict that, right? It's not, it's not going to know that that's a that's a pattern. I mean, okay, fine, it's the second lockdown, but but we probably need a few more lockdowns and seasonality of lockdowns to work out what what the product mix and what the what the price should be. Um, I mean, one of the things I want to touch upon um, is that that the power of pricing in a lockdown you some some companies are going to be growing hyper growth periods again right and it, mm-hmm. they're going to be laughing right how do you how do you grow even more how do you how do you kind of laugh all the way all the way to the bank and it and for me it's about doubling down where you're seeing opportunity where you're seeing growth and one of those is putting your marketing spend in the right place okay mm-hmm. so if you can if you can connect what your pricing decisions are doing against how that's converting in sales, then you then you take that and work out where I should then subsequently put my money into into Google and 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 bid and don't bid in the other areas and take that money that you're bidding in other areas on the areas that are doing really well because that's where you get, you know, hey, if you're doing well, keep keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. For me, that that's a that's that's yeah, my takeaway. Yeah,
0: this is um. Super interesting actually and I think really, really impactful during lockdown. Um, because demand is so high that you don't need to advertise on certain products that you would normally. Um and so you, so by looking at your so, so the the first when we when we talk about this in black cup like the first thing is to look at your sales, obviously, what's selling well, A B C it, so say good however you want a positive, good, better, best, or like uh, good top sellers, average sellers, poor sellers, it is usually a good way of splitting things up. The first question you want to ask is why aren't they selling, right? Um, And often, uh, usually for 20% of, of like the poor sellers, it's because they're mispriced and you fix that out and they move up. And then similarly, actually, for the, for the bulk of the products as well. And then feeding that information back in will tell you, okay, well, I can double down on the ones that haven't worked. The ones that aren't working don't work either through price or advertising spend. So what am I even doing here? And then do I, how do I double and triple down on the ones that I've, I've tuned in the market. And this is exacerbated in a lockdown because demand is so high. It's so extreme that really any change you make is, is multiplied, right? So if you're making twice the number of sales, um, any change in margin is in effect double to what it would be in a normal period. It's, it's, it's that kind of simplicity of maths almost. And so, and that, and the other, and obviously the other piece of that is stock because there's not much point uh, putting a huge amount of advertising into some, and it's that actually that balance between stock and price that gives you the sell-through rate Um, because it's, it's that that you want to do it because you want to tune it so that you're demand you want to maximize your profitability through that period with all these levers so that you're selling the stock you can at the rate that maximizes the amount of profitability. And the two levers you have for that is the amount of advertising you put in and the price you're selling it at. Um those those are your two kind of that's your two gas and, and brake pedals. Um yeah I think this this one is is Fascinating, actually, because it, th- and it really comes back to kind of what makes a a really uh, well functioning digital business. Because it's not, it, it comes back to the conversation we have with Manny about how do you get pricing like permeating into your business and helping you inform decisions out elsewhere. And I think that that's the core. And that and in these periods of crisis uh, or or high high change, high market turbulence um all this stuff is so important because it's all magnified if you double your set sa- like i said you double your sales you double the impact of a decision um so anything you can eke out is that that's what so and if you're the i think the not the fallacy but often people focus if they're in a the growth stage focus on product product mix rather than optimizing margin in 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 those kind of periods um and i don't I never really understand why it's an either or I think it is is the other thing right um well I, I do understand in a sense that if you're doing it by hand it's an either or because you can focus the energy on one or the other but um one of those is much easier to automate than the other and will help stable your growth and even if it's not a direct contributor to your growth it should maintain the market share um which is really really what pricing is about or help you maintain or dominate in the products that are already working right so you can take the process that you know works automate that kick that off and then spend your time and energy looking for other products to kind of or other areas to target um, make hay while the sun is shining as they say yeah exactly yeah kind of um so
1: it's I call final orders is there anything else you'd like to touch upon rob any discussion points you'd like to like to
0: go through not really? I mean, I, I, the, the, it's, it's quite a broad one. This, I mean, it's, it's bit in, the, um. But I think, yeah, I, th- I think we've covered it. We, we've been through it before. I think is, is, is what I'd say. And I think that product mix will be different in terms of what's selling and what's not selling. But the overall, I'd be surprised if the overall business behaviors and winners and losers would, from an industry perspective, would that different um especially in e-com I think it's likely to be a an especially busy busy period <laughs> but I, but I think the um the 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 companies
1: that did well last lockdown they're the ones that the companies that didn't react need to look at. what what tries to find out what did they do well if they're in similar mm-hmm. sectors right so if you I don't know I'm going to I'm going to stay with musical equipment for example because I've been for some reason decided to pick keyboards right you know why has one musical retailer done better than another musical retailer in the Mm -hmm. last lockdown you know when you've got a similar product mix right and more than likely it's because they've invested in things like automation you know and more than likely it's because and we've seen it ourselves more than likely it's because they've invested in pricing decisions that are based on supply and demand yeah okay so that That is that is critical, and that is not just solely for music. The companies that have done well, um, okay, there was there's there's a fair bit of luck that they've been in the the right markets that suddenly demand, you know, for for. You couldn't have predicted it has gone through the roof because of the lockdown but the ones that have capitalized made hay while the sun is shining is because they've invested in automation because during the lockdown period they're less concerned about their competitors more focused on making decisions based on supply supply and demand and are doing those incremental tweaks and constantly turning the handle right Um, they're the ones that there's the one that succeed and i'm pretty
0: sure that they're the ones that will will make hay again in winter who'd have thought yeah because well they're, they're, they're already they got a head start i mean th- this is this is the other bit in that um especially in the uk after the last lockdown there's been a huge panic to kind of quote unquote get online but um but these digital actually what we do doesn't take that long but, but if you're doing this company-wide that is a huge project in I mean, I know Shopify and big commerce and the rest of it has claimed to take companies online in a couple of weeks, but having known people that do the consultancy side of this and work work with pretty big retailers, it's 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 months and months. Well, like it's one thing switching yeah.
1: it on, and it's another thing with the change exactly, management right. piece yeah, and yeah, getting yeah. getting yeah. people trained in hearts and minds. So. Um, fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Rob. I, I've, I've, as we've looked through this uh, podcast and looking at you, it looks like you've got kind of the hand of God coming out to the to the left of you. Uh, I've got, Devin's I've got, well, I've got the sun. That this just this mic arm is coming out of the sun. So, uh, <laughs> so, so you must be so must have been saying some some good stuff today. Um, so, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. We have been Black Curve. This is our podcast, Ecommerce Matters. We help e commerce business businesses make pricing decisions. This podcast is available on all major podcasting platforms. We look forward to welcoming you next time. See you soon. Bye bye.